This message is presented to you by Pastor David Lambert and Exceed Life Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. For more information, visit ExceedLifeChurch.org. Well, you know, uh, I'm preaching a series on freedom and uh, freedom in Christ. Praise the Lord. And how many people could stand to be more free in here? Amen. 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 We all could, you know, we're all growing. Amen. And so I really believe God wants us free. And I know the longer we stay in Christ, the more freer we should become. And, uh, you know, I talked about last week how Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And uh, that uh, when he was in that grave, he had grave clothes. Amen. And sometimes when we get saved, we still have grave clothes on. And we need and we need other people. We need, you know, you need a pastor. You need other believers to help get those grave clothes off. Amen. In other words, to help get you set free. So we need each other. Amen. And so we talked about strongholds last Sunday. And if you have your Bible, open your Bible to 2 Corinthians 10. We're going to read a, a foundational scripture for this month. And we're looking at 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. And I'm going to be reading out the NIV uh, translation this morning. And um, if you found it, just say amen. They, they may be putting it on here. Amen. And it says here in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6, it says, For uh, though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they are divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captivity every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we'll be ready to punish every act of disobedience once our obedience is complete. Amen. So it's saying here that we are in a fight. Have you noticed that since you became a Christian that, you know, it's a fight to walk with Christ. Amen. And uh, I don't know. If you understand that, it seems like, and I mentioned this last week, it seems like when you, when you, before you were saved, you really didn't have a lot of problems. But once you get saved, now you see you got problems. Anybody ever notice that? Why? Because now your eyes are being open to truth and God is revealing truth and God is transforming us into the image of his son, Jesus. And transformation isn't easy, is it? It it takes work to be transformed, amen? And one of the biggest things here that the enemy works on is strongholds. And a a stronghold is, you know, the Greek um, uh, word for that uh, definition is a prisoner locked by deception. A prisoner locked by deception. The, the worst Christian, well, the Christian that's in the worst spot today is a Christian that's deceived. Amen. Because, you know, if they're deceived, if you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived. And if you don't know you're deceived, how do you get out of deception? So hopefully what you do is you come to church and you get some truth. And that truth will unlock some deception that we could be walking in and help set us free. Amen. That's why you don't want to miss church. Amen. Because uh, or or get into the word. Amen. Another uh, um, definition for stronghold is is living life by something that is not true. You know, one of the things that when Jesus ministered uh, and he ministered to a lot of people and he ministered to the Pharisees 
And the Pharisees were locked in to traditions. And, you know, uh, Jesus said, you know, it's, it's because of your traditions, it makes the word of God of no effect. Traditions. So we can grow up and we can learn some things. And I know some of you come from a lot of different backgrounds. And there's a lot of different churches out here that preach a lot of different things. But sometimes we get locked into traditions. And what traditions does, it waters down the word of God. And I don't know about you, but I want the word of God to be as potent as possible in my life. You know, a stronghold is another definition for stronghold is a pattern of thinking that opposes the truth of God's word. A pattern of thinking. It's how we think about things. And just because uh, the world says it's right doesn't mean it's right. Just because the government makes a law about marriage, um, you know, it doesn't mean that it's right. Well, just because they... You know, uh, I think in Vegas they have legal prostitution. That doesn't mean it's right. Well, Pastor, I was in Vegas last week and it was legal. Yeah, but that doesn't make it right. Are you hearing what I'm saying? What, what, go, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. You better, yeah, your money stays in Vegas. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? But you may just bring something back from Vegas that you don't want. Amen. So we have to live by the truth of God's word. Look at your name and say, live by truth. So how do we overcome these wrong patterns of thinking? How do we get to know the truth of God's word? Look at John 8, 31 and 32 with me. And this is a great scripture right here. And this is one way that you can be set free from uh, bondages of lies that, that may have been planted into us even when we were young kids. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? Some of us are in that process so here in John 8, 31 and 32, it says, Then Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So, you know, a lot of ministers and you hear, you know, the truth shall make you free. And that's a true statement. But really, you got to go with the first part of it. You have to abide in the truth. For the truth to set you free. In other words, you have to allow the truth of God's word to continue to be a part of your life. And you have to continue to look at the truth of God's word. And as you meditate and you look at that truth, that truth will dispel any lies uh, in your life. Amen. So um, so I'm going to say this, that Jesus main ministry was to set people free. And I'm kind of recapping last week, and we're going to go into our message this week. And so Jesus' main message, and I really believe this, that he preached this message uh, everywhere he went. And it's in Luke 4, 18 and 19. And this is really great because Jesus is the true bondage breaker. Uh, you're not going to be broken of any bondage unless you have Jesus helping you be broken of that bondage. Jesus is the word of God. Amen. And so in Luke 4, 18 and 19, it says, Jesus, this is his first sermon that he preached after coming out of the wilderness and having been endued with power from on high. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. So I'm going to say this. It's the anointing of God that's going to break any bondage off your life. 
And that, and that anointing is wrapped up into the word of God. So Jesus said the spirit of the Lord is upon him because, because he's anointed Jesus to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent him to heal the brokenhearted. God can heal a broken heart. No matter what you've been through, no matter what people have said or done to you, the power of God can heal your heart this morning. Some people hold on to a broken heart, but you don't need to hold on to a broken heart. Your heart can be mended this morning. Amen. Uh, it says here to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery sight to the blind. So God, so Jesus wants to open our eyes to see truth and to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So what did Jesus come to do? He came to set the captives free. And he's doing that today. I, I like, you know, who's putting people in bondage? The devil. He's God's arch enemy. The devil is your arch enemy. He's out here to steal, kill, and to destroy. You are in a warfare today. Believe it or not. And if, the, if, you're not, if you're not battling a stronghold right now, just wait. You could be battling one next week. You could, if you're not battling any kind, of, uh, any kind of temptation, just wait. The enemy will come and try to tempt you in some areas and get you drawn into an area that's not right. I like what it says in 1 John 3, 8. Jesus came to undo the works of the evil one. And so that's what he's here to do is undo the works of the evil one. So as Jesus is the word made flesh. And so as I minister the word to you today, hopefully it will unravel any lies in your life. Amen. So today I want to talk to you about a, a subject that not you don't really hear in church too much. Because really, you know, most people that go to church are perfect, right? <laughs> we don't have any problems, right? We're, we're the church folk. We got it all together, Right. And uh, so really, that's that's the way it seems like, well, you know, you go to church. So, so and, and, and even the unbelievers will all say, well, those people, they act like they got it all together. But, you know, a church isn't a country club for the perfect. Amen. You know, it's a hospital for the sick. Amen. So it's not it's not he we're, there's no perfect people. Thank God. There was only one perfect person. And who was that perfect person? Jesus. And what happened? He, he, only, he only lasted three and a half years here down on earth until they crucified him. So Jesus is the only perfect person out here, glory to God. But I thank God that we're in a process. Look at your neighbor and say, you're in a process. See, I'm trying to get you to preach a little bit. I, I'm, trying to get, I'm trying to make some preachers out of you. Can, can I, do, is there any preachers in, the, in this church this morning? Anybody can, can, can uh, witness the goodness of God. Amen. We're all called to be preachers. Amen. And so, and so today I want to talk to you about addictions. And nobody wants to admit that they're addicted to anything. Uh, we rather say, uh, Pastor, can I just say that bad habits? <laughs> Instead of an addiction, can I just say I have some bad habits? Because, you know, we don't want to admit that we're addicted to anything. And many people are, are addicted uh, has anybody known anybody that, that's been addicted to anything and wrecked their lives? And you may not know anybody personal, but you can, you know, read the tabloids. You can, you know, when you go into the grocery store, you can see, you know, the people that in Hollywood. Of course, we're praying for Hollywood and making it Hollywood. Uh, 
Amen. Dropped one L off of it. But you see these people in Hollywood, they seem like they have the perfect lives. And then they, they, they end up dying of overdoses of drugs and they got alcohol problems and all this. I'm going to say this. You know, just because you have money, you have fame doesn't mean that, that, that you're that it's going to you're going to escape from having some problems. And the enemy will like to try to show you people from Hollywood and how perfect they are. But you you start reading and, and looking at their lives and they're not perfect and they got problems. Amen. And so so I'm going to say this. Since I've been pastoring this church People have come in with problems, and thank God I've seen people delivered of alcoholism in this church. I've seen people delivered of all kinds of things, and you guys are here today. Amen? So you guys are in a process, and and some of you are in a process of being set free. Let me define what an addiction is, okay? Um, And addiction is anything that I do that I don't want to do, but I can't seem to stop. Can I say that again? An addiction is anything that I do that I don't want to do, but I can't seem to stop doing it. So there may be many things in our lives that we feel that we can't live without, but is that thing that we can't live without, is it hurting us? Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? You know, people are addicted in so many different ways. Um, and it's, it may not be, you, you may not be addicted to alcohol today, or you may not be uh, addicted to you know, you may not have a sex addiction today. You may not be dealing with that. You know, Solomon had addiction. I believe it was a sex addiction. Amen. He almost lost the kingdom because he had, what, 900 wives and th- or 300 wives and 900 concubines. Would you say that Solomon may have had a problem? Are you, are you hearing what? Solomon had some issues. He, you know, I want to say this. What I, what I love about God is he doesn't choose perfect people. You know, some of us, we discount ourselves from, you know, ever serving God or doing anything for God because we're not perfect. God doesn't pick people, uh, perfect people. You know, like one person said, he doesn't use silver vessels and he doesn't use gold vessels. He uses willing vessels. And we just got to be willing. And God is God's here to work with you. He's here to help you. He's not here to shut you down, but he's here to help you. So you may not be struggling with alcohol or drugs or or you may not have a sex addiction. But 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 maybe your addiction could be food. Maybe I mean, maybe it's caffeine. Hello. Is anybody I almost got in a wreck. I, I was I was jonesing for a cup of coffee. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? I mean, I needed a cup of coffee. And I saw a Starbucks and I, and, they, and I turned real quick, almost got in an accident trying to get a cup of coffee. Are you here? What I'm saying? Anybody know what I'm talking about here? <laughs> Amen. So so you your addiction may not be. It could be it could be sweets. It could be it could be whatever is it could be your cell phone. You know, nowadays, everybody has a cell phone and everybody's on their cell phone and you go to a restaurant and people are eating. But the family, they all have their cell phone while they're eating. They're looking at their cell phone. Amen. I, you know, we did some baptisms last week and a lady had her cell phone. She wanted it out outside of the water. Why? Baptize? No, I'm kidding. But <laughs> get that cell phone under the water. No, I'm kidding. But, you know, people... <laughs> people, 
can't live without some things. Amen. And I want to say this. You can live without some things in your life. You can you can get along without your phone. Some of you might need to put the phone down. Amen. You can get along without social the social media. What what happened? How did we live when there wasn't an Internet? Anybody remember that? Do I got some people in here that, that are of, a, of age? Do you, how do we live when we didn't even have cell phones? You remember that? We didn't have cell phones? You remember, you, do you remember that they used to, you, you used to put a quarter in a, in, a, in a phone to call? Does anybody remember that? Amen. The, what is it? The pay phones? And remember that the cell, and then if you had a cell phone, it was like this big. And you're trying to show it off to everybody. You have this cell phone. And it's this big. And. Hey, how you doing? You know, it was the newest cell phone. It was huge with a big box. Did anybody ever have one of those cell phones? No. Well, you haven't lived until you have a four foot cell phone. Amen. So what am I saying to you today? I'm just saying that that some of us might need to get a grip. Some of us might need to get a grip. And really, we need to examine ourselves to see, you know, if there's areas in our life that is stealing from us. Uh, you know, a, a reality came to me because I used to be addicted to my cell phone. I'm not addicted as much as I used to be. I, I, I don't want to lie. And, uh, but uh, my, my daughter said one time to somebody, oh, my dad, all he does is go into his room and walk, look at his cell phone. That's what he does when, in, in family time. And that caught me. I said, I do that? You know? And uh, yeah, I prepare a lot too. I use my cell phone. I prepare messages in the room. Maybe that's what she meant by that. But no, uh, but, but, but it was a reality check. And you know, I, I have to admit that I'm not, I'm not addicted to my cell phone anymore. Praise God. I'm not addicted to uh, uh, the, the media, you know, the, the social network. I'm not in that system anymore. Praise God. Now, I will get on it, but I don't have to get on it. Praise the Lord. And so I'm going to say this is whatever is taking more of your time than than your family time, than spend relationship time, then you need to you need to check yourself and see if you might need to lay it down. Uh, In Romans, Paul had some issues and and Paul, Paul talked about issues in Romans seven. And you wouldn't think the great apostle Paul would have any issues. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. But here I'm reading in the uh, NIV, uh, Romans 7, 21, 24. He says, this is Paul's talking here. He says, so I find this law at work, although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. And then he goes and says, What a wretched man I am, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Amen? So, so uh, you know, Paul was talking about there was a time in his life, I believe it was when he was a younger Christian, because he, he writes about love, and he said when he was a child, he used to talk like a child. This is in the love chapter. And, and he used to act like a child, but he put away childish things. And so there is a process of growth as being a Christian. And hopefully we're not staying in a baby state 
all our lives. Hopefully, we're getting the bottle out of our mill uh, or the bottle out of our mouths, and hopefully, we're growing up in God. And the same things that used to entrap us in the past aren't entrapping us today. Are you hear what I'm saying to you today? So he says, Paul is saying that he has a desire to do right. He has a desire, but there's also something else working that wants him to do wrong. Can somebody say the devil? And the devil is the tempter. He's the one that's trying to get us to do wrong. He's the one that's tempting us, you know, to, to do the wrong things. Why? So, so really what he wants to do is he wants to get you to do the wrong thing. And, and he'll tell you nobody will find out. Then he'll point at you and try to tell everybody you're doing it. Isn't that how the devil works? He will try to point out that you're doing. Now, let me dispel some lies about addictions that sometimes we swallow. And, uh, and the first lie is my weakness or addiction has become a part of my identity. So sometimes when we're stuck in something and, we're, and we've been doing it for a long time, uh, we start to believe that it's really a part of us. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? The enemy wants you, it, it's you and your problem. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? We get focused on the fact that this thing is with us and it, will eventually, it won't leave us. We, 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 we fight and we try to get right, but it seems to pull us back in. And so, so we see here that, that we, we, we try to do everything we can to come out of it, but it's still there. And so, and so the lie is that it's a part of our identity. I'm going to say this. There's 12-step programs out here. I'm not against the 12-step programs, you know, to help, you, help alcoholics and drug addicts and all that. But a lot of times what they do is they try to get the person to say, I'm an alcoholic. Have you ever heard that? I'm an alcoholic. That's who I am, right? And I, I understand the psychology behind that. Because a lot of times people that are addicted, they, they, they're so deceived, they don't want to look at their addiction as being, they don't want to see themselves as being addicted. So when they say I'm an alcoholic, it's, it's confessing the fact that they got a problem. Now I'm not, I don't have a problem with that. The Bible says we need to confess our faults to one another so we can be healed. I'm not, I don't have a problem with that. But when you keep going over and over again that you are an alcoholic... Uh, then you're identifying with that and you're saying that's who you are. But as a Christian and as in, in the kingdom of Christianity, you don't you don't you, you speak who you are in Christ. Let me put it that way. You don't speak what you you know, you don't say that I'm poor. You know, you know, you may be poor this morning, but the Bible says let you know, let the poor say they're rich in God. And so you may be dealing with poverty, but don't don't allow poverty to become your identity. Don't allow that. To, don't identify with that. Like I'm broke. I'm going to always be broke. My family has been broke. No, no. You are in a new family. And just because some negative things have been passed down to you uh, by your bloodline, you ha- I'm going to say this. You have a new bloodline when you get Jesus in your equation. Amen. Amen. So what we need to do is we need to confess who we are in Christ. We need to confess that we're new creations in Christ. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. 
Think about that. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. Amen. So, so you got to think about this. When you, when you get Jesus in your life, those old bad habits are passed away. But pastor, I still got them. <laughs> I'm still dealing with these bad habits. I'm still dealing with these weaknesses. Yeah, yeah, but I'm going to help you get out of these weaknesses today. Amen. So, so you need to start confessing that you are, even though as a Christian you may sin, that doesn't make you a sinner. Hello. Just because you sin and you miss the mark, it, it, it doesn't make it doesn't change your identity from being saved to being unsaved. It doesn't change your identity from being righteous to being unrighteous. You still have the blood of Jesus working for you, even if you miss the mark and even if you sin, even if you said something wrong, you know. You're probably going to sin some more after this message today. <laughs> you're, I, 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 can I say that? You're, you're going you're gonna to miss the mark. Why? Because we're in, we're in a flesh and blood body. Amen. Check yourself. Are you in flesh right now? And the flesh can be ugly. Amen. Have you ever noticed the flesh can be really ugly? I'm telling you, I, I was a little ugly last night. I was trying to pick up something at the store and it was taking so long and I was getting a little irritated. And I know I'm a pastor, but I'm glad that I'm not that well known so I can still act up a little bit. <laughs> and I was I was getting I, I said, how long is going to take? You know, it was like they, they said, we got five of these items. I was picking buying something last night and I was under time constraints and and we got uh, and they looked it up on the computer. It took them an hour to do that. And we got five of them. I said, well, it's not in that place. And, and normally uh, what I was looking for is, you know, they have it somewhere, tucked away somewhere. And they looked, and it must have spent 35, 40 minutes. Oh, you hear what I'm saying? Anybody been there? Amen. And they still couldn't find it. And then they said, we can order it in for you. <laughs> I, said, I said, I need it tonight, you know. But anyway, we can order it in for you. I said, okay. And we'll have it. I, how long will it take to get in? Three to six days. So I put it in, I ordered it in, and then, then once he, the final thing up, he said it will be in by the 14th to the 20th. Oh, really? <laughs> I, said, I thought it was three to six days. That's, that's the following week. Can somebody say ballistic? <laughs> Has anybody ever went ballistic in here? I didn't go ballistic, but on the inside, I was like, my God, cancel my order. You know? No, I didn't do that. I just went forward in it. Amen. So what am I saying? Flesh is a part of us that is the ugly part of us that we don't want anybody seeing. It's that part of us that we're fighting constantly to stay in check. Keep it in check. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, it's like some of us are like, you know, like the Incredible Hulk. You know, he doesn't turn into the Incredible Hulk until he gets angry. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I used to watch that TV show, The Incredible Hulk. And, you know, at the very beginning, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. You wouldn't want me to be angry. Amen. And it was kind of at the very beginning of the show. And uh, he had this reporter that followed him around trying to figure out who he was. I don't know if you ever been uh, watching the show. But, but, but when, when Bruce Banner got upset, he turned green. When I get upset, I turn red. Amen. So, so lie number two is when I try to quit 
and fail, I feel increasingly hopeless, so why bother trying to quit? Have you ever been there? You know, you, you've, you've been trying to get your diet in line, and you, and you hear about this diet, you know, I don't know what the, the you know, the paleo diet, diet that's the diet, uh, or, or the seafood diet, you see food and you just eat it, uh, that's the one everybody wants to be on. Um, but, but you get in this and you look at these diets and, and it, it, tra- it transforms the way you eat and you, you do good for the first two days and finally on the third day you're done. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? Why? Because flesh wants to control us and we can't allow flesh to control us. Let me say this here is when I try to quit, I fail and I feel increasingly hopeless and this because the enemy will come back. I want to say this, that, that we're, we're, we're not supposed to be quitters. As Christians, you're not, you're not designed to quit. It says in 1 Timothy 6, 12, it says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay a hold of eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Now, each one of you already heard this scripture before. Fight the good fight of faith. You've heard that, right? But you never really hear the, 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 the fullness of it uh, in confessing a good confession. Amen? We don't hear that. How do you fight the good fight? You confess a good confession. What's the confession? You're winning. That's how you fight the good fight in this life. You, you, you confess a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. You confess that you are a new creation in Christ. You confess that you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. You confess that you are more victorious today than you were yesterday. You start confessing some truth. Amen. Confess the truth of God's word. When you confess it, you're lining up with God. You're saying what God is saying about you. And when you start saying what God is saying about you, then you become what God says that you are. The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen? Amen. In Galatians 6, 9, it says, Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart, if we don't grow faint. In other words, listen, you are called to win. You were never, when when you got saved, God knew the problem that he was getting when he got you. He knew the issues that you would have when he got you, but he chose you anyway with you with your issues. Can somebody say thank you, Jesus? And he's sticking with you regardless of your issues. Say God's sticking with me. So lie number three, any threat to my addiction, weakness or sin. I kind of add that in there becomes a threat to me. Sometimes when people are trying to reveal to us that we have some weaknesses in some areas, we don't want to admit it or we try to you know, act like that's not us. We don't want people correcting us. How many people like to be corrected in here? No. Oh, man, I got no hands raised. Nobody likes to be corrected in here. And even as a pastor, you know, as I minister, it should bring some correction. But if there, sometimes there's areas where I'm ministering that you're weak in, and sometimes you can take it personally. Is that right or wrong? <laughs> don't take it personally. In other words, don't take a correction personally. How can I not take a correction personally, pastor? 
You know, but no, no, no. Look at it, you know, take it as something that's going to help you and not take away from you. A lot of times with some people that are have problems with an issue and, and they like that issue because part of you do like your addiction. Okay, it's quiet in here. If you didn't like it, you wouldn't be doing it. So part of you, it's a love-hate relationship. Can I say that? In your addiction, it's a love-hate relationship. You love it when you're doing it, but then after you've done it, you hate yourself. You promise you weren't going to eat any more desserts, and then, and then, you, and then you eat it, and you're, or you promise you're not going to overeat. I, I go there, and you stuff yourself silly, glory to God. And then you're said, man, why did I do that? And then you, you're hating yourself. You're loving it when you're involved. Am I, am I hitting on, on some truth here? Amen. Come on, if you didn't love it, you wouldn't be doing it. I'm talking about your flesh. Now, I'm not talking about your spirit, man, because I'm going to say this. Your spirit, man, is perfect and made in the image of God. And, and your spirit, man, your heart is a new heart. And you want to do the right things. But there's a part of you that want to do, wants to be bad. Amen? You know, you don't, have to, you don't have to teach children to be mean. It just comes natural to children. They can be mean. as a, I, I was mean one time. When I was a kid, I used to be mean to my little brother, Joel. I'm glad he's not here today. And I remember I, I, uh, I, remember I think he was in the bathroom. He was, he was using the bathroom. And I picked him up. He was half naked. And I threw him outside. And locked the door. <laughs> now, I was probably about seven years old. But I had a mean streak. He was out there banging on the door. Amen. Can you believe I did that? I, uh, my brother's here. He says, I can believe it. I got my family here. Amen. They know all my weaknesses, but they make sure that I look good up here. Amen. But and so I remember that I was in I, I, I guess he was man, he was born. You know, I mean, my mom got pregnant three months after she had me. And then, you know, I, I got kicked off. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying today? I got kicked off of mom and Joel came in and took my place. And I never really had the childhood. Can I talk to you a little bit? Can I talk to you a little bit? Why I'm so messed up? <laughs> I, I was kind of abandoned when I was a kid. Can I talk to you today? Anybody know what I'm talking about today? And I remember I was in my brother's crib. Can I give you another uh, bad story here about me? I was in his crib and, uh, and he said, get out of my crib. And I said, no, I'm not going to get out of your crib. Of course, I was a little bigger than him. You know, I was almost a year older than him, and he bit me <laughs> in the back. Ah! I was like, what? He bit me. I said, Mom, Mom, Joel bit me in the back. He, she said, that's what you get. That's what you deserve. <laughs> she didn't, she didn't, she didn't console me. She didn't put me up in her arms. She didn't say what a bad kid Joel was. I'm still dealing with that in therapy. <laughs> Amen. Somebody say be nice. be nice. So 
you don't have to train kids to be mean, but you do have to train them to be nice. I'm going to have to say this too, all, as well, you, you're going to have to train yourself to be nice. You're going to have to train yourself because flesh is ugly. Flesh wants to do the wrong things. Just think about flesh. It just sounds bad. Flesh. I remember I did something wrong and I was in in the church and the pastor's pastor's wife, she scolded me. She said, you're being fleshy. (laughs) I said, yes, (laughs) ma'am. I was being, are you hearing what I'm saying? Look at your name and say, don't be fleshy. Now I'm not, okay, you got it, you got it. So, so, so another, another lie um, that we kind of swallow if we're in an addiction, or can, can I just say a bad habit, because that, that, that sounds better. If I'm in a bad habit, or if I have a bad habit, is that uh, I, I can ease my pain by getting my next fix. In other words, what the enemy will try to do is he put pressure on our flesh to go to that thing to bring comfort to us. Do you know what I'm saying? You know, that's, that, you know there's, a big, there's a big thing about comfort food. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Southern comfort food. And it's supposed to make you feel comfortable, but it's fattening, fattening, fattening. You know, it's, it's, the, it's the macaroni and cheese, you know, twice baked. Glory to God. It's the twice baked potato, you know, whatever. It, it's that comfort food. But I'm telling you, once you eat it, you may not be too comfortable. You may have to loosen your belt buckle. You hear what I'm saying to you today? So, 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 so what we do is we, we, we think that our next fix will ease our pain. But what it really it, what it's really doing, it's masking our pain. It's masking our pain. We keep going back to that same sin. What will happen is that guilt and shame will be upon our lives. Amen. And, and I'm going to say this. If it's sin in our life and we keep going back to that, what happens is the enemy wants he knows that our heart will condemn us. Amen. See, the Holy Spirit won't condemn you over your sin. Can I say that again? The Holy Spirit's not here to thump you on top of the head and, and, and say you are condemned over your sin. No, the Holy Spirit's here to convict you. It, it, the Holy Spirit said there is a way out. The Holy Spirit will always show you a way out of your sin, but he's not here to condemn you. But our hearts, the Bible says, can condemn us. And if our hearts condemn us, what happens is we lose our confidence with God. And when you lose your confidence with God, then your faith isn't working. And then when your faith isn't working, then you're in a bad spot in your faith walk. Because the only way we can please God is by faith. And if our heart is condemning us, it kills our confidence with God. And if we have no confidence, we're not going to believe that our prayers are going to be heard. Can I get an amen or oh me? So we got to be very careful that we're not going into these things because what happens is, just like Adam and Eve, when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they ran and they hid behind the trees. And then what did they do? They made fig leaves. Like, that's going to really cover something. (laughs) We try to make fig leaves to cover ourselves. Fig leaves. Oh, my gosh. That reminds me of another story. You want me to give you another story? (laughs) My, what's that? Do you know where I'm going with that? I won't won't tell that story. I'll keep, 
You're going to be leaving here saying, that pastor is one messed up dude. I won't tell that story. But they try to use fig leaves to cover themselves. And, you know, those fig leaves aren't going to cover too much of you. You know, that's why God had to kill an animal. And he and he 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 actually that was the first sacrifice when man sinned. It was an animal sacrifice. I don't have a joke here, but it was it was an animal sacrifice. They were wearing well, maybe they were wearing fur coats. Glory to God. They were wearing leather pants and they were wearing snakeskin boots. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? God did them upright. He covered them. That's a form of righteousness. God wants to cover you with his blood. He, he does cover you with his blood and he covers you with righteousness. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? So even if you are in a sin today, you still have a covering of righteousness on you because of the blood of Jesus. Your sin is not bigger than the blood of Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen. Your sin is not big. Your weakness is not bigger than the power of God. Amen. So, 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 so we have to understand this, that the enemy is trying to get sin and shame in us. Let's, let's look at Romans 7, 24 and 25. It says, I tried everything. This is Paul. And this is the message uh, version. Uh, it's the message I'm reading it out of. I tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. So the answer is that Jesus Christ can and do something. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but, but I am pulled by the influences of sin to do something totally different. So what he is saying here is he feels totally helpless. Then he, Paul gets a revelation that he's not helpless because Jesus is with him. And I'm going to say this to you today, that you are not helpless. Jesus is with you to help you navigate of out of any darkness that you might be in. Can I get an amen? And then I'm going to say this. Man put this in chapter and verse, but this was all together uh, when it was written in a letter form. And, and right here in Romans 8, 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus for the law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. So the law of life in Christ Jesus, what is that law, you may ask? It's called the law of grace. And I'm telling you where sin abounds, the Bible says, grace abounds much more. You're not under the law this morning. You're not trying to keep the law this morning. If you're trying to keep the law, you're, not, you're going to miss it. You're going to sin. You're trying to keep, I, I'm trying to keep from sinning. You're going to sin if you're trying to keep from sinning. No, just walk with God. Instead of trying to keep from doing something, no, start walking with God. Allow the grace of God. You start walking with God and you will see those things fall off of you. I met Kenneth Copeland and uh, he was preaching one time and Kenneth Copeland is not as, he wasn't always as polished that he is now, that he used to be. He was, he was an overweight man. He was uh, about 100 pounds overweight when God got to him. And he was a smoker. And so, he, was, he, so he, he battled food addiction and he battled nicotine. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? 
Amen. And so, but you know what? He would have these cigarettes and he was trying to quit smoking because he's trying to be a good Christian. He would throw his cigarettes out the window and, and he, he didn't have a lot of money. He was broke too. And he would turn the car back around, go back in that field and start looking for those cigarettes. I'm telling you, addictions can make you do stupid things. And then he got into a conference and it was, it was a bunch of ministers there and he got into a conference for three or four days and he was so enveloped in the word of God, he didn't even think about the cigarettes. He totally lost sight that he even wanted those cigarettes. What am I saying to you this morning? I'm saying that when you get God in your equation so much, you're not going to be thinking flesh. You're going to be thinking spirit. When God is in your equation and you're meditating on the word of God, it's going to be hard. Listen, if you if you take the Bible out of a Christian's life, there's going to be sin. But if you put the Bible in the Christian's life, there's going to be righteousness. Sin will keep you from the Bible, but Bible will keep you from sin. Amen. Hallelujah. So we see that. So really, he, he got to a point where he didn't eat that, that the cigarette, that nicotine fell off of him. Amen. So I'm going to give you some some things here that's going to help you this morning. I'm about ready to close, but I'm going to give you a few things that's going to help you break that addiction out of your life. Number one, put God first place in your life. Put God first place in your life. In Exodus 21, 3 Exodus 20, 1 through 3 says this. This is the Old Testament. It says, And God spoke these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. So back then, they worship a lot of gods. But you know, even today, we may not have idols, but we do have idols. Can I say that again? We may not have statues of little gods, but we have things that we put as an idol in our life. Something that, what is an idol? Anything that, that, that goes before God. Some, whatever we're putting before God is an idol. And we don't want to have idols in our life. So, 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 so we need to put God first place. I'm going to say this. Put God first place by coming to church on Sundays. Amen. That's putting God in first place. Put God first place when you wake up in the morning. Pray a prayer. Say, say, good morning, Lord. Or if you, if you don't put God, you're going to say, Lord, good morning. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? Put God first place. Get some scriptures. You know, get some worship music on. Some of you are Christians and you're still listening to secular music. Get the secular music out. Put some Christian. There's some great Christian music out here. And it's every genre you can think of. If you want, if whatever you like, there's Christian music in it. I like jazz myself. So you can get Christian jazz. Or, I mean, a lot of it sounds like country music. So if you like country, just listen to switch over to Christian music. It was an easy fit for my wife because she's a country girl. I know she doesn't look country, but she's a country girl. And so when she started listening to Christian music, it sounds a lot like country music. Amen. Can I get amen? Anybody wear any boots in here? Okay. Any, any uh, cowboys or cowgirls in here? And so we need to put God first. Put God. Here's a big one. Are you ready? Ready for this? I'm about ready to close. Pastor, you're meddling this morning. Yeah, I am. I'm trying to get in all up in your business. You're right. Because I want you free. Amen. Put God first place in your entertainment. Okay. Let me get back here. 
Put God first place in your entertainment. What, Pastor? No, no, in my entertainment, it's just me and my entertainment. No, no, put God, but have God honoring entertainment. You don't need to be watching filth on TV. You don't need to be watching things that will feed your flesh. You know, I, 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 listen, I'm growing. Somebody say, say I'm growing. I'm growing. And I used to watch things as a Christian that now I, I, I can't watch anymore. I used to watch a TV show called Scrubs. Anybody ever watch that? Yeah, Pastor, I just watched it last night. I'm praying for you. Nothing wrong with it. It's a funny show, but it has all these sexual windows all through it. And you get yourself laughing at stuff that's ungodly. Oh, Pastor, you're, you're meddling this morning. And what it is, it starts getting in us. And we start thinking all this, you know, illicit sex and sex outside, the marriage is okay, and sex between two people of the same sex is all right. We start thinking like this, and that's wrong. Those are strongholds. No, we've got to think the way God thinks. You know, well, pastor, it's, it's their business. If, if it's two loving people that want to love each other, yeah, but it's ungodly. It's not how God designed us. He, he designed us, you know, in a certain way. And, and if we're buying into this ungodly society and say it's okay, you know, you can be a Christian and do those things. I don't know. I think you're deceived. Amen. You know, Judas thought that he was okay, but he wasn't. You know, he, was, he, was, he couldn't get rid of his stealing. He was a thief. He would steal from the, from, the, from the offerings. And, you know, Jesus would preach messages. You know, if your hand causes you to sin, you better cut it off. You know Jesus was looking right at Judas at that time. You know, if, if, your, if your eye causes you to stumble, you better, better pull it out. You're better off having, you're losing an eye in this life and saying your entire body going to hell. What, what was Jesus saying? He was saying that the sin that, you know, that, that's in our life, if we allow that to be an idol in our life or we put that before God, what we're doing is we're loving that more than loving God. Okay, Pastor. Pastor, I ain't come to hear this. Listen, I want you free today. I want you set free of any bondage, amen, that the enemy's trying to put you into. So you, this is the number two key. You have to say no to your flesh. Pastor, what do you mean? You've got to say no. Just say this. No. no. I had a salesman that knocked on my door last night at 6 o'clock. He was trying to sell me something. This guy was so persistent. I mean, he must have took the, the, the course on selling. I mean, I'm a salesperson. And I'm trying to figure out, how do I get this guy out of my doorway? I've got to be nice. The flesh is saying, close the door. Close the door. And he's talking to me about a, a security alarm system. You know, and, uh, and he's trying to, you know, the doorbell one. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And he said, you know, we got the best and, and, and we're willing to put it in free. You know, you know the old thing. We're going to give you it free and you, and you just put this sign in front of your house. I said, how much is that going to cost me a month? Well, that's complicated. And we're going to do this and we're going to, how much is that going to cost me a month? Well, I can't go into that right now. But you go into this, look at this, look at this video. How much is going to cost me? He wouldn't tell me. He wouldn't tell me how much it was going to cost. He said, well, I might be able to get into that if I can come in and sit down and talk to you about it. I said, no. I said, see that big light right there? We, I got a big light where my house is at. You know, they have street lights. I said, that big street light lights up my entire house. I said, I think I'm pretty safe. 
and this, and this security door is to keep people like you out <laughs> that I'm about ready to close right now. It's bulletproof. You could shoot, you could shoot it, and I bought a security door that's bulletproof. I think that's enough. Are oh, you hear what I'm saying to you today? And he kept talking and kept talking. Lord Jesus. Amen. Then he said, who do you know? I said, well, my mom has a security system. <laughs> but anyway, I, I got his number. Amen. So what I'm saying is, you need to learn to say no to the flesh because the flesh is like a salesman that doesn't want to give up. And the flesh will keep pushing you and pushing you and pushing you to do the wrong thing. The enemy will press on your flesh to do the wrong thing. I like what Paul says in Corinthians 9.27. He says, but I discipline my body. What? Discipline? Do we have to do that, Pastor? I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection. Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. So Paul, you know, he was saying that, that, you know, he didn't want to be a minister that, that preached one thing and did something else. He didn't want to be disqualified. I believe he was talking about really disqualified for his salvation, really. He, or you could say his rewards. But listen, he, didn't, he, he was willing to do whatever it took. He said that he buffed, one place, he buffets his body. He keeps his body down so his body won't control him. Your body makes a great slave, but a terrible master. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? So, so he, he learned to do that. Romans six twelve says, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies, that you should obey its lust, and do not present your members as an instrument of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin, listen to this, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the, under the law, but under grace. Think about that. So Paul is saying, really, you have the power to, to not have sin in your life. We're going to miss it. Don't get me wrong. But we don't need to be penciling into our calendar that we're going to be doing something wrong. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? Amen. So, so what am I saying? So I'm saying that if we learn to say no to our flesh and yes to God, then we're going to see great results in our lives. I'm going to say this. If what you starve will die, what you feed will thrive. What you starve will die, what you feed will thrive. Now, what you need to starve is starve your flesh and feed your faith. Starve the thing that's trying, you know, like they say in the zoo, don't feed the animals. Don't feed the animal part of you that wants to act like an animal. I'm preaching better than your amen. Don't feed the animal part of you because it will grow in you and it will become more dominant than your spirit. And you don't want, you don't want your flesh to be more dominant than your spirit. You want your spirit, man, to be in control. And when your spirit man's in control, you're walking that victorious life in Jesus. Nothing broken, nothing missing. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? You have the power to say no to the flesh. No to sin. No to a bad attitude. No. Somebody say no. (laughs) Amen. And And the last thing I want to say... Give God all of your heart. Give God 
all. Some of us are just, we're, we're, we're not giving God all. We're not putting God all in our life. We, we're, we're, we, we are holding back in some areas. And so, listen, if you're going to break the addiction off your life, you're going to have to put God first place. You're going to have to put God, you have to give God all of your heart. Let me just finish with this one last scripture and we'll close. In Jeremiah 29, 11, and this is really talking about the, Jew, the, the Israelites. And they were in bondage. The Israelites were in bondage in Jeremiah's time. Uh, and so to, to um, some, some warring, uh, some kings, um, so they were in bondage. And it says here, for I know the thoughts, this is Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil to give you a future and a hope. So God has a future and a hope for you. Then, then he says, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me. When you search for me with all of your heart and I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. Think about that. So what am I saying to you today? Listen, you can have, you know, you can cut off the cable and all this. Um, You can have all, you know, you can do all the things in the natural. But if you if you still haven't kicked that addiction off your heart, you're just going to be fighting it all the time. You can have your accountability partners. You can have this. But if it's still in you, you're going to figure out a way to do it. Are you hear what I'm saying to you today? But if you kick that addiction and put Jesus on the throne of your heart, and Jesus is the one that you really need to be true to, amen, then you're going you're gonna to be free, free, free. Did you receive something tonight, this morning? Amen. You did receive something. That's the bow our heads. Father, I just thank you for your mercies and for your goodness. I thank you, Father God, that addictions are being broken in people's lives today. I thank you, Father God, that you're doing a work in each one of us. I thank you, Father God, that you're moving through each one of us and, and, and you're causing us to be just like Jesus. Perhaps you're here this morning, maybe you're watching online, and you don't know if you have a relationship with God, you're your, your, your relationship is not where it needs to be or that you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. I want you to pray this prayer and mean in your heart if you're ready to, to make a change today. Just say, dear God, I believe Jesus, you died on the cross for my sins. Jesus, I believe you were raised from the dead for my justification. Jesus, I turn from sin and I turn totally to you. I receive you today as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' name. And Heavenly Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Amen. We thank you for listening to this message. For more information, visit us at exceedlifechurch.org.